0: good morning second press my name is boone i'm the lead pastor of the bridge north county and the heart of ferguson missouri which from whom i bring greeting also with me today i didn't say it earlier in service and i forgot i am so sorry my beautiful wife tequila amen of 22 years of marriage 42 years of friendship or somewhere around that. Uh, First, thanks to Pastor George, my friend, my brother, one of my mentor voices for inviting me and having me here with you all. Thankful to the pastors and the staff here for all that y'all are doing, for allowing me to come and not only witness the work that the Lord is doing here, but also to be an active participant in assuring that Second Prayers will be a place for all different types of people will find welcome. Amen to that? Okay. Just for a little quick class participation, I want to ask if there's anybody in the room who's ever been rejected to just simply raise your hand. Just really quickly, if you've ever been, if you've ever experienced rejection in any level, just simply raise your hand. We've all felt it, right? We've all experienced it, experienced it. And most of the time, if we're honest, the rejection doesn't come from people who are outside. Rejection doesn't come from people who don't have access to our lives and to our stories. But most of the times we experience rejection, it comes from those whom we are closest with. It comes from those whom we believed or we've had reason to believe that was for us and that was with us. As a matter of fact, if we look throughout history, especially throughout the testimony of Scripture, we see that even the prophets of old, though they were bringing messages of hope and restoration, they faced the agonizing pain of judgment and rejection from their own communities. It was just over 50 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke out against the injustices that was plaguing America, pleading for Christians to. To unite across the racial lines, the color lines. But just like Jesus in Nazareth, as we'll be reading in this story in a, in a little bit here, he too was met with extreme resistance and Rejection. So for our time today, we're going to examine. We're going to be looking internally. We're going to be doing an inner heart character check. We're going to be auditing our own souls. And we're going to be looking and asking questions like why do we, why do we build walls between ourselves and others who are different? Why do we build walls between those who who challenge our expectations? Especially when what they're challenging, or especially in what they're offering, is exactly what we need. It's really what we need in the moment. And so we need to be asking ourselves questions constantly. Could we be just like those in Nazareth or those from 1960s America Miss the blessing of being aware of not only how God is at work, not only being aware of our own fallen condition, but also aligning ourselves with his message, with his message of hope, of healing and restoration. And so I'm inviting you, whether you're a first-time guest here, whether you come and you hang out here, you rock here every single week, or if you're struggling with your faith and you don't even know what to do with Jesus in this uh, season of of your life i 'm asking you just for the next few moments to take a little bit of time and explore with me these uncomfortable but necessary truths as we seek together how we can be opening up our hearts, our homes, our churches, our communities to the gospel 's transformative power, even when it extends across Racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic lines. And so before we get into this part of the God story today, we'll be looking at Luke uh, chapter four. In your pew Bible, it's on page uh, 859. But before we look at this text together, we'll be at Luke 4, 16 through 30. I want us to ask this question. We're gonna frame the rest of my time, the rest of this message around this question. As we're thinking about the series, Gospel Priorities, we want to ask this question. How can we prioritize the historical Jesus over our personal preferences? Because if we're being honest, what really bumps up against the gospel priorities, what really bumps up against gospel initiatives is oftentimes there's a head on collision with our own preferences. And if we're honest, oftentimes our preferences can creep into or evolve into or even expose our prejudices. And so we're going to be asking this question, how can we, as followers of Jesus, how can we, as a community of faith, how can we prioritize the historical Jesus over our own personal preferences? Let me read Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and it was as it was his custom. He went to the synagogue on a Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To me, this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to them, sent To none of them, but only to Zarephath, the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the rock of the hill with, on which their town was built so that they can throw him down the cliff. But missing Jesus passed through their midst. The grass withers, the flower fades. Now, We have to be careful when we're looking at this part of God's story. We have to remember that though this may resonate with some of the 21st century American issues, it's important for us to know that Luke originally wrote this for an audience of both Jews and Gentile Christians in a world where they were being uh, persecuted, in a world where they had nor expected to have any political power. At all. As a matter of fact, the influence that they wielded was simply because they took care of the poor. They took care of the sick. They took in the orphans, cared for the widows, elevated the voices of women. And because in the midst of this very, very complicated and contentious World, They had these Jews and these Gentiles that were doing life together, setting aside their real differences and their real issues. And that was the only influence they had and the only influence they ever really expected to have. Luke was writing this letter to demonstrate to them that this Jesus was the messianic, the mess, the Messiah that was prophesied throughout the testimony of scripture and that he was was not only coming to make all things new. He was not only coming, all which was proven by his, his, his virgin birth, his death on the cross, and him being raised from the grave. But the thing also that really stood out where Luke was trying to get his audience to understand that Jesus not only came to save the Jews, but he also came to be Messiah for Jews and Gentiles alike. And so what we're going to do again is just ask this question. How can we, how can we prioritize this historical Jesus... Over our personal preferences. And the first observation I want to make is the first thing we need to be doing, if we're going to prioritize Jesus over and above our own preferences, the first thing we need to do is we need to be prioritizing self-awareness. To prioritize the historical Jesus, we must first cultivate a level of self-awareness. This entails us understanding and being honest about our own biases, about our own preferences, and the old cultural influences that can and will potentially cloud our perceptions of Jesus' life, his ministry, and his teachings. See, when we prioritize self-awareness, it helps us recognize the tendencies of our own falling condition, If we're honest, it helps us expose where we too, just like the people and this story, we resist paths towards goodness, towards flourishing, towards shalom, simply because they don't fit our preconceived notions, simply because they include them people. Those people, those others, you know who they are. It is here when we recognize our own limits, we're able to approach the testimony of scriptures, approach these stories about Jesus with both humility and honesty and openness and being challenged to be transformed by this historical Jesus. And I know this is hard. I've been doing multi-emptive ministry for a long time. I know it is challenging. But we got to understand that this work that God has called us to be a part of, it promises both growth, empathy, and the sweet liberation of us letting go of our own self-implosed blind spots. Our own preferences that oftentimes we put over and above other people. Our own preferences that more often than not will really expose our prejudices. So if you want to let me just look with me real quickly at the text right here in verses number 26, we see that Jesus had this conversation they had uh they had the right teaching he literally had the scroll he was reading from Isaiah they had the right teaching so they were orthodox in their teaching they were at the they were they were in the synagogue on the sabbath so they were in the right place on the right day so they were practicing their faith religiously and faithfully so here they had the the right teaching they were doing the right things but the problem was their hearts were off their hearts weren't right so they just was saying to him when he was talking about proclaiming this good news setting captives free giving sight to the blind when he was saying all that stuff they were saying teach it rabbi they were saying amen preacher they were saying we can agree with that they were saying all of that when they thought that jesus was only talking about their people when he was only talking about caring for them when he was only talking about righting their wrongs, when he was only talking about stepping up and showing up for the things that mattered to them most. But the moment he let them know that God has historically and is and always will be coming to make things right for all people, regardless of their ethnicity. When he began to mention those Gentiles by name, all of a sudden in the minute of a worship service with the right teaching, the word of God, the right practice, they were at the synagogue on the right day. All of a sudden, the language tells us that all the people were filled with wrath. So they went from teacher, rabbi, amen, preacher, to they were trying to kill him. And so here's what Luke is letting us know, that we need to be developing the same level of self-awareness because we need to always be aware of our own biases. We need to know when and where our preferences and our prejudice when we don't want to rock with Jesus because Jesus is reaching someone else, those people. As a few weeks ago, uh, my wife was having an outpatient procedure done at a local office in the St. Louis metro area. And there was a young doctor that was taking care of her, it was a relatively nice guy, professional guy. Of course, he's a smart guy, dedicated his life to, to medicine, committed his life to doing this. but. A couple of things happened during this visit that really began to expose some of the stuff that was going on in my own heart. First thing that happened was when he was doing this procedure, he hit something and she said, ouch. I'm like, okay. And so he gave her more anesthesia. And then all of a sudden I began to think, oh, is he one of those doctors? So the procedure keeps going on and right at the end, the last stitch, there's another ouch from my wife. And now I can no longer disguise what I'm thinking and I'm feeling because now I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. He is one of those doctors. He's one of those doctors that deny that African-American and people of color experience pain at the same level as Anglo people. That's what I'm thinking in that moment. He he did nothing. He said nothing, but that was what I brought to the room. So all of a sudden, when this procedure is over, I put my head down, trying my best not to give him eye contact. And my wife is getting nervous because she knows her husband. And he reaches out to shake my hand. He already knows I'm a pastor. And it took everything in me to shake his hand. And not because he did anything wrong. Not because he said anything wrong. But because simply I've been doing the internal heart character checks, I've been auditing my own soul, I've been practicing self-awareness, I realized in that moment I was the prejudiced one. I was the racist one. Just like that, I was automatically in this room assuming the very worst of this young man whom I don't even know. I didn't think I was going to get an amen there. I didn't think I was gonna get on there. But I I know y'all look amen. <laughs> in her book, um I know why the cage bird sings. One of my favorite um poets and authors, Maya Angelou, In this in this book she's talking about the things that she experienced in the Jim Crow South, the racism, the segregation. She talks about the abandonment she experienced from her family. She talked about the sexual abuse that she experienced. And she talks about all of those things, not in a way to embitter her or to make her angry, but also in a way to free her. And so this is a quote that she says that I think helps us illustrate the importance and the value of having self-awareness. She says this, if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. And so here what Maya Maya Angelou is letting us know that we have to be able to practice and cultivate self-awareness. Personally, we need self-awareness of what took place in our country. Historically, we need self-awareness of the state of our church, not so that we can know where we're going, not so that we can become bitter. Not so that we can remain divided, but so that we can look back and see how our world is broken and marred by sin and how God is calling us to something better. He's calling us to something greater. He's calling us to something higher. Now, I know some people in the room, you're going to simply struggle because all of this simply sounds like we're presenting this historical Jesus in a way only to address cultural issues as merely social action. Some call it the social gospel. And it feels like we're reducing the importance of one placing their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. And I get that, and I understand that. And I agree with you. We do need to be careful. We do need to be aware. We do need to notice and be asking ourselves the question, practicing self-awareness, and making sure that we don't drift too far from the gospel's proclamation. But however— By embracing a balanced approach to incorporate both social action and the transformative power of the gospel, then and only then can we authentically demonstrate the love of Christ to a world addressing tangible needs while also pointing to the internal significance of faith in Jesus alone. In this way, we're not simply called to just be aware and practice self-awareness because that would be hard, that would be exhaustive, that would be tough if if all we do was look at our lives, look at our stories, look at our history to see where sin is and see where the brokenness is. So it's not that we're simply called to be aware, but for that awareness to lead us to uh, the alignment of our heads, of our hearts, and of our hands with those of God. The historical Jesus as he's presented to us in the testimony of scripture. So how can we prioritize this historical Jesus over our own personal preferences, over our own prejudices? How can we do on this? Not only do we prioritize self-awareness and look internally, but we also need to prioritize, and this is going to sound real simple, but we need to prioritize alignment with Jesus. Now, for those who are in the room or watching online who've lost confidence in the church, I want you to know I see you. I understand. I know that you are exhausted. And you don't know how much longer you can continue to call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus in the climate, in the state of the church in America today. I see you. I get you. And I understand your disappointment. I understand your frustration. And I believe that the God of Scripture does too. In fact, according to the testimony of Scripture, this historical Jesus experienced the same thing. He experienced being betrayed by the religious leaders of his day. He experienced being betrayed by those who had political power in his day. And so while we do have plenty of imperfections the body the church in america has a marred history we also must realize that we also have the hope of jesus we have the message of reconciliation we Have the gospel. And when we prioritize Jesus, his radical love, his forgiveness, and hope that's only found in him by prioritizing his teaching and his character as our God, we can together, individually, corporately, as a family, as a country, we can rediscover the transformative power of the gospel for a world that desperately needs it while addressing the social issues of our day. It don't have to have an either or family. Right here in verses, uh, verse number 18, if you look with me right here in the text, right here, it says that Jesus said that the spirit is on me to proclaim the good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's a, another quote attributed to one of my favorites, Dr. Martin Luther King. And he says, just as Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free, we too are called to confront injustices and fight for the oppressed. So it's not just self-awareness, but it's also aligning ourselves with the heart of Jesus who told us right here in this world that he came to bring good news. And that good news was not just for those who look like you, but it's for those who don't. It's not just for those who vote like you, but it's for those who don't. It's not just for those who live in neighborhoods like similar to yours, but it's also for those who don't now as we wrap up our time today i want to just give a few recommendations a few examples a few ways that i think that we can be applying this part of god's story to our life now i want to be careful here i'm not going to make these recommendations And tell you, if you do these things, you're going to be a better Christian. If you do these things, you're going to find favor with God. And if you don't do these things, you're not going to be a good Christian and you can't count on God's favor. Simply, I'm just trying to point toward ways together that we can close the Monday through Saturday gaps in our lives so that we can show up with self-awareness and align our priorities with Jesus at work. So we can show up with self-awareness and aligning our priorities with Jesus at home so we can show up in our marriages. I don't know about you all, but I know that my wife is so grateful that I am more aware of my own mess than I, than I am of hers. So now, somebody ought to say amen to that. If you don't say amen to that, I don't know what else to do. But I, I want to just show you just a few ways that we can Foster deeper connections with God, deeper connection with those around us and how we can look at this part of God's story and we can be asking ourselves the question of how are we prioritizing Jesus by cultivating self-awareness and by aligning our actions with his. And the first thing I want to recommend that we do is that we reflect on our own stories. So here, what Luke was doing when he was writing his letter to this early church, they had an opportunity to look and see how others who claimed to be committed to following Yahweh, committed to following the God of, 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 of the scriptures, how they reacted when their preferences and their prejudice were exposed. And so, how do we do that? By reflecting on our own stories, engaging in honest reflection, allowing ourselves to identify the areas where our personal preferences may be in conflict with the teachings of Jesus, assessing our own attitudes, behaviors, priorities to ensure that they align with the example set by the historical Jesus. Through this level of self-reflection, we can actively seek to prioritize Jesus' values over our own preferences and our own prejudices. Not only do we look at our own story, but we look at our story in light of Jesus' story. Because if we only look at our story, we'll be discouraged. But we look at our stories in light of Jesus' stories, and that is where we're reminded that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's where we're reminded that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. That's where we're reminded that his body was bruised, his body was broken, and his blood was shed so that we could be one. One with him and our heavenly Father, And one together. As a matter of fact, he said, this is how the world is going to know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And we also need to be listening to the stories and experiences of others. And then finally, I want to say some things that we say every week at The Bridge, uh, North County and Ferguson is, We also need to rest in God's grace, rest in his finished work, rest knowing that humanly speaking, that we can't do it. But with his spirit, with the ongoing work of his spirit in our lives and with the fellowship of each other, of our brothers and sisters, we can, in fact, cultivate a level of self-awareness. and align ourselves with the teachings and values of Jesus over and above our own prejudices and our own preferences. I'm out of time. Family, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you so much for this church. We thank you for, um, the opportunity for us to come together in this room, considering the, the history, considering, um, social location, considering where we are as a state, um, as a country, and as a church in this part of the world. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless, equip, and call us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would help us prioritize Jesus over and above our own preferences and our own prejudices. Lord, bless us and keep us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.